Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. There are many reasons we should have Steve on the podcast regularly. His insight into uh, teams we don't normally cover, his wit, his absolute top-notch sense of humor. But for me, really, it's the fact that when he comes on, it's the only time I ever receive a compliment in the entire history of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I should have briefed him beforehand. He can't be doing that. He he gave me two this episode. I'm going to ride that high for a month. Evan and I have worked hard to cultivate a culture of pure toxicity and um, pretty much a vacuum for any happiness that might be left in you. And we've done a lot because you used to be super happy, super positive, you know, always saw clearly and we didn't like that. It didn't really vibe with us. So Evan and I, we we worked really hard to form you into an objectively worse person. And here's Steve being nice. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, oh yeah, um, we've we pre-recorded two interviews for this podcast. Um, Steve is the one you'll hear first, and uh, it's funny because with most other guests guest stars, we we make sure we take the time to be respectful of their time. We prep, we we send them our notes in advance, we discuss what we're going to talk about, we go over the whole thing. And with Steve, it's just immediately like shooting the shit about something that is absolutely not relevant to the topic at hand. We were looking up backup goalies for the avalanche in the early 2000s i think right before we hit record <laughs> and <laughs> Steve, like we went you'll you'll hear it but like we went off probably more than we do during our main episode parts when it's just us three talking and it's the first time uh evan and steve met which put to rest the long-standing theory that they're the same person and we just swapped them out when it was convenient for us yep all those conspiracy theories are now put to rest. Well, you, you say we don't prep yet. Steve showed up in uh, proper attire with proper background. Yeah, he had. Uh, don't, red, don't, well, don't, don't, people, don't, don't spoil it. Yeah, people watch it on YouTube. We'll, we'll yeah, get a blast don't, don't, don't spoil it. Meanwhile, we're not like, look at what we're wearing right now. I have a hockey night in Canada sweater on. You have a whaler's T-shirt on. And Evan is buck ass naked. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> If you were, Evan, you, there'd be about a thousand, like 1,500 people who would know that maybe, but there would be a lot more, like thousands more podcast listeners who would never know. So you could do it. That's true. Well, maybe I am right now. I've got a sweater on, but that's only half the picture. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Just okay. porky pig in it. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Apologies for that intro. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Doink the Clown. I'm Evan. Um, we are into the preparations for the 2021 season, uh, which means we are going to be doing our divisional previews. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, last episode, we're going to have a little bit of a different schedule for the next week or so before we we normalized. We are taking a little holiday break. Uh, so Sunday, the 27th, when you usually would have had an episode, uh, there won't be one. Um, and we are going to be recording instead and, and posting for you around the 29th ish, that part of the week. Um, so that is our, our one episode a year we take off. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yes, our, our break. So uh, from time of posting this, we are taking six days off. <laughs> and even then, we've recorded three straight days now 
for yep. two different episodes. Yeah. It's like the draft all over again. Oh, God. Yeah. I remember legit- when we thought that'd be a couple hours. Because <laughs> we were doing one episode a week there, but we were doing a midweek Patreon every week. So literally, this six-day gap is our longest of the year. Hey, man, I'm pumped. I will cherish that six <laughs> days. You know what's going to happen, right? Like, Iserman's going to name Larkin captain and at the same time tra- somehow acquire Shane Wright. Don't ask me how. And he's going to do it on the evening of the 26th. And we're going to have to get record an emergency podcast. No, I'm fully prepared to record an emergency podcast on Christmas Day at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's just what I expect. Um, on this episode of the podcast, we will be covering the North Division, uh, which will explain our guests for this show. Uh, in addition to that, we will be talking about uh, some news from Eisenman's press conference today, uh, some rule changes, which has Brad over the moon, and the introduction of ads on helmets. So, uh, meaty episode today. Hopefully, it's enough to hold you guys over through the holidays. Um, what do we want to start with? Do we want to start with Steve? Can I start with something? Yeah. Um for those people who are interested, we are starting up fantasy. Um, the invite has gone out to name level sponsors, um, as well as some of the longtime patrons who've supported us. So, um, if you don't check those messages very often, um, I would recommend doing so. I think it also goes to your email, but I'm not sure. Um, so please get into that as soon as you can. Um, we're just trying to gauge interest as as early as possible to open up more leagues to make sure we can get everybody included who wants to do it. So the sooner you join, the better. We already have four people who joined, and I literally sent it five minutes ago. So um, <laughs> the sooner you do it, the happier I will be. Yeah. So that may not improve my odds of gauging interest, but uh, please do it. But yeah, it, it's always a ton of fun if you haven't done it before. Um I'm always second place and I always get crushed in the finals. Um, uh, so yeah, hopefully we can get a couple leagues going and uh, it's a lot of fun. So please look at that. Yeah. And that is our um, Patreon league. So for those who are wondering how you join, uh, take a look. Um, we always open up these fantasy competitions, whether it's fantasy hockey or we do a March madness bracket, which didn't exist last year uh, for those um select tiers who are included in that so yep like evan said check your patreon messages um okay let's jump into an interview uh our interview i don't know it's not really he's our friend he just comes on the show um our segment with uh none other than steve dangle of the steve dangle podcast Sportsnet. that one commercial with mark savard um what else what other titles can we give steve that i'm not doing him justice for charity penalty shot sniper yeah. Yeah, that was a little tough on him. That was maybe I'm, a little bit mean. I'm a little curious how he knew that my senior A stats, because I know he hasn't listened to a podcast to have picked it up that way. I like, did he just accidentally stumble across my elite prospects page one day or something? Going down, he was actually a season ticket holder of the Milverton Drives. He was at the fish fry, actually. I don't. Oh, know he's how that you one. Him. He's 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 the one guy. Oh, he's actually a scout for the Leafs, Brad, and he was sent out to uh, to scout senior A games. Oh, yeah. No wonder I didn't get a call then. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our segment with Steve Dangle. Um, enjoy. And if not, you know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you know Steve's about uh, six months into fatherhood when uh, he was in the middle of researching like AHL triple backup goalies and I was like hey man how's Leo he goes good anyway Steve Linkerman is- <laughs> <laughs> hey listen guys I'm, I'm really sorry um, I, I had a shower before this so I, I haven't gelled my hair I, I don't look all dolled up you mind if I put on a hat okay okay here just let me <laughs> <laughs> oh man that thing is dirty that yeah. is older than all of us. It's uh, my dad wrote my name on the inside of it, <laughs> just wow. so you wouldn't forget. That's amazing. So all those so, times I'm, oh, oh, this has gone so disastrously. <laughs> so all those times fits I'm my old... head. That's why <laughs> I got to put it on the last notch. I I have to ask the weird question. What does it smell like? That's got to be a special level of must. It's uh, quite. Um, it smells like a basement. <laughs> so I would say, I, yeah. I can only imagine what the comments are going to be on this episode's YouTube video, like a minute and 10 seconds in. You read them? <laughs> what, what do you, what do you? Right. You We've read? been trying to tell him to stop for his own mental health and he won't. No. Yeah, I can't. It's really bad. I really do need to stop. Uh, I mean, that, that has like a war. Ah, uh, can they? <laughs> it's sometimes quite bad. You know, it's. That hat looks like the Red Wings last season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. I'm big into that oversized logo, though. Yeah, it's such a good hat. It's a great hat, but it has seen some miles. Yeah, I think I might have a championship hat somewhere. I'd have to look. Doesn't matter. I'm on your show now. The first time Steve and Evan have been in the same room together. Yes, I thought yes, you were fake. True. I didn't know who you were when I turned the stream on. Hey, like I said before, you know, this whole work from home COVID situation, I have to show up to things now because there's no golf, there's no snowboarding. I have no excuses anymore. I just, I just immediately saw that you weren't Ryan and was confused. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it. But now I've warmed up to you. Thank you. Oh, you have well. a very calming presence. Thank you. Meanwhile, my spastic, are we ready? Is OBS running, Evan? Uh, on that note, the Winged Wheel podcast featuring Steve Dangle. It's been a while. I think it's been like a year. Yeah, it was the, uh, I did the Kitchener book signing at Clutes and Chara. And then, um, and then I came on and told the Taylor Hall macaroni and cheese story. Right. Which has got some legs. I still go back and listen to that thing. I, uh, yeah, I like it too. I'm a big fan <laughs> of my own story. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty great experience. Uh, well, long overdue, uh, everyone. Steve Dangle is back. Uh, he is here to be a punching bag uh, on behalf of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which we now feel bad for because he's wearing a sweet Red Wings hat. And as uh, in addition to that, he has a uh, still in the box, Steve Eisman lifting a Stanley Cup figurine. Figurine, is that the right action figure? Uh, I would, no, not action figure. How dare you? I would just say figure. Figure, right. Mm, uh, ch- child's toy uh, behind him. So he's... <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> no. Bad. Okay, hey, the one thing we have, Steve can probably close to honestly say, is this probably isn't the room with the most toys in his house anymore. At least it won't be soon. No, I got my son beat. No way. He's got... There's like 50 of these things, man. And pl- You haven't even seen the shelf. Buddy, it's been six months your house is going to be overridden by toys within a year you have no idea the toy apocalypse that is coming he has no money i have all the money <laughs> but I your family members do 
Your parents do. Her parents do. Your grandparents do. Everybody else has money, and they're all going to make noise. It's not even all... It's not even all... (laughs) <laughs> NHL figures. This is a doink the clown that I got from the flea market for a dollar. It's kind of terrifying. Right? Yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah. I don't. The know old doink. Is. I don't like that. No, no I don't like that doink at all. was a terrifying wrestler. I'm pretty sure he's still going. Don't or died. Ever, I'm not sure. Don't let Leo see that till he's an adult. It, he won't sleep well for at least no. a week. No, 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 no. Brad, that what that doink uh, figure looks like is how Evan and I view you. Most days. <laughs> yes, that's fair. That's, I mean, that's he's, he's Jack. To be fair, no, no, no. Just Thank from you, the Steve. Shoulders Thank up. you, Steve. Uh, the, yeah. the toy. I mean, the, the first ever compliment I've gotten on this podcast. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you did score a goal at what was that? Like triple C seniors. What? What was that? Jeez. <laughs> two comes goals. Like, Thank you. Comes on our podcast. One, sorry, one and... preseason, two regular season. In five wow. games played, that's pretty good, man. I mean, yeah. I got a, I got an accidental goal at a charity tournament on a penalty shot, so <laughs> I, I can't, I can't talk crap. And that was what? my only goal ever. Oh, Steve, I'm not, okay. Look, and I, I'm all for you and your your growth in the game of hockey. I've watched it. I've been so proud of you. But I just need to know what transpired on the ice where you were awarded a penalty shot. <laughs> um. I think I no, I think the other team was being very generous. So we actually did really well that day. Uh Adam Wilde invited his beer league goalie and he was just a brick wall. But for whatever reason, the second game we just got filled and we were losing eight two. And with like thirty seconds left, uh this guy takes a clapper from the blue line on purpose, and it's a charity tournament. You're not allowed to take slap shots. So they award us a penalty shot and my Amazing. buddies tell me to go. So I they were doing it as charity. But the goalie was legitimately trying to stop me. And I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go five hole and it's gonna beat him and it's gonna be awesome. Cause I gotta I'm not good at many things. I can't move very fast on my feet, but I got a quick shot. I got a quick shot. And so I went I went five hole and the goalie dropped into the butterfly to block his five hole. But luckily my shot was terrible and missed the five hole and it beat the goalie <laughs> uh, below his glove. So I, I scored because my aim is terrible. That's the uh, Darren Helm special. Actually, when you hey, miss you shooting it right Darren Helm in my presence for some Darren Helm, I think had 14 career goals and 13 of them were against the Leafs. Yeah. Uh, was, all in that one game. He had a hat trick, didn't he? Yeah. I was in the building for that game. Oh my god! It was to this day his only career hat trick. Don't ever like. I don't know how I'm still alive. I remember every bad thing that ever happened to the Leafs. I remember a Darren Helm hat trick. Well, that <laughs> game, that game was actually monumentally bad for the Leafs because that was the year they went on that like eight game losing streak in March to fall out of the playoffs. That was game eight, and the game that actually flip flopped Detroit and Toronto in the playoffs. Oh wow! Yeah, because the Le- they were in it, they were in it, mm-hmm. and that was the year after I want to say they had made it the lockout shortened one. Yeah, and uh, oh my god, they were so bad, and it was it was a lot of fun though because I had just moved into this house, so the Leafs, I would let I should look up what their record was after I moved in here. They were like by the end of the season, I was just drinking whiskey out of the bottle, like on camera, <laughs> because I had nothing else to say. They were horrible. So, 
Speaking of the Leafs, I, w- I love that we had to basically like twist your arm 11 times over and kidnap Adam to convince you to come on tonight specifically. We gave you like 12 hours notice and we've oh. used the first eight minutes just to ridicule you. Um, <laughs> we also made fun of Brad. So, you know, it's it's worth we did. It. We tempered it a little bit. Oh, God. And, and Doink is on the screen again. Yep. Uh, the Leafs. Leo being the high point of your year and the Leafs being the uh, the constant low. This season upcoming, I don't even know what to make of that team anymore. I feel like every year I bet on them, and every year I just laugh as it predictably spirals in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. Is this 56 game only playing against Canadian teams, weird, wacko COVID season beneficial for the Leafs, or is this going to be even more shot and fruit for Red Wings, fr- Red Wings fans? Well, uh, I think I, I remember the, was it oh. Four? Yeah, I remember the 04 Flames. They were not good in the regular season. And then a moment came during that regular season where they decided to basically make seven game segments into fake playoff series. And they never lost four of seven for the rest of the season. And I kind of wonder, and, and that, you know, got them all the way to game seven of the Stanley Cup final. They obviously didn't win, but it got them pretty close. Um, will this system work in the Leafs' favor? I kind of think it will because they're a team that has gotten pushed around too much and has, you know, failed in the playoffs, obviously time and time again. And now you're going to remember guys, you, you got, you're going to have to play the, you know, the Oilers for what is it? 10 games each. And you're going to have to play the Flames the same, and the Canucks the same, and the Sens the same, and the Jets the same, and the Habs the same. And it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be fun by the end of it. Um, There's going to be nowhere to hide. It's going to benefit the Leafs to have to play against both Kachucks that many times. That's what I was going to say. Like They're going to get real sick and tired of looking at both of those two guys night in and night out. Yeah. And they're going to have to get up for games more often than you know they could just let their skill carry them through some games where they didn't really get up for them. Right. And you might say, well, wait a sec, you know, this is actually not to the Leafs advantage at all. If this is the thing they struggle at, you know, why, why would you look forward to this format? They need to get better at it. They need to get better at uh, the battle basically. And this, what this current format is going to allow them to do is either do it or don't, you know what I mean? If they can't do it in this current format, I mean, how, how do you go forward with this group? How, you, you can't possibly, because you know they can't do it, uh, unless they do. I, <laughs> I am under the... I'm optimistic. I think they're going to do very well. Everyone's anointing them the, the winners of the division already. I think that's a little ridiculous. Like, have you, have you never seen these guys? Um, <laughs> I kind of hope they don't. Like, I kind of hope they actually struggle a bit and have to, you know, get some scars. Um, but ultimately I want them to make the playoffs, obviously I mean, it'll be good for them. I mean, my gut feeling with the, the Leafs and, and, and you nail it perfectly that they have to do something uncomfortable to be good, but I, I still view them as by far the most skilled team in Canada. So I think okay. they have that, but every team in Canada seems like they beefed up on the agitators. Montreal just went and got Josh Anderson, Vancouver overpaid for an entire bottom six of Pistons. Uh, Calgary and Ottawa have Kachucks and Winnipeg's always a tough team to play. I mean, it's pretty much Edmonton and Toronto that are the skilled teams. So if they do well, 
they're going to do really well. If well, they do even, poorly, they're going to do really poorly. <laughs> even Edmonton's got Nurse, who is a problem. Cassian, who's a certified lunatic. Like it's uh, they're they're not a fun time. You don't need to be the toughest team in the world. The the Lightning aren't the toughest team in the world, but they have a couple guys who are problems. Like they, you you got to at least be able to stick up for yourself. I'm not asking the Leafs to be the Broad Street Bullies. I'm asking them to be able to stick up for themselves. For crying out loud, I think I uh, what did I term it the Boomer window this season with Simmons and Bogosian being added oh, to yeah. the Leafs. <laughs> Because I all, all I heard from like my buddies' dads were like, "Oh, this team's too soft." Blah 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 blah. So now they've got some some sandpaper. If this is not the boomer window, then I don't know what is. Uh, wait, you're not you're saying this is a team that boomers will like, not that Wayne Simmons is a boomer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we're the same age. Adam, Adam and <laughs> Wayne Simmons played hockey against each other. Yeah. He's uh this is the year where Toronto's listening to uh the people's whose tweets are automatically always hidden by Twitter where you scroll down and say show hidden replies. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes, cat is the profile picture and yeah. I see you. Yeah. I've seen you in my mentions and then I don't anymore. A lot of uh, uh, whenever SportsNet tags me in something is a lot of this is an account you've muted. <laughs> it just keeps going. So is it working for Sportsnet that causes you to not go gray? Because you said you remember every bad thing that's happened to the Leafs. Yeah. We remember every bad thing that's happened to Detroit, but four cup wins will keep you, your your vitality. Going. Yeah. So I, how uh, are you alive? Well, the f- I, I get basically the sides of my head shaved and it's getting shorter and shorter and shorter because I am going grayer and grayer and grayer. Um, even my uh, beard that sucks when it grows in because it basically doesn't we can't all be brad um with the he's got such a thick lust mustache get out of here yeah, <laughs> no, it's nice offensive. Mustache. i find that offensive all right I'm sorry i apologize how, how did i get here oh yeah um <laughs> no if if I, I i've talked about this before like it if i didn't have this outlet if i didn't have this youtube channel this podcast you know my job at sportsnet i would a hundred percent be that insufferable annoying person at your office and maybe the person listening, I mean, you're the one listening to a hockey podcast right now. Maybe you're that person. Um, yeah, you definitely are. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You jerk. Like, uh, <laughs> well, I guess I'm talking about an office setting like anyone's been in one since March. But yeah. um, it's, it, thank God I have this outlet because, like, it kind of forces me to get it all out. You, you know what I mean? It's therapy like, almost. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there have been videos where... I'm like, I'm not, I am not sleeping on this hanger. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm doing it tonight and I'm editing it and I'm uploading it and that's it. Uh, man, my team. Uh, um, okay. Quick off the cuff. Uh, you're not allowed to legally say no to this. Um, what are your bullshit predictions for the uh, North division standings at the end of 56 games? I think what I said in my video was Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, in no particular order, sorry. Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, uh, Montreal. Um, That's the playoff teams. Yeah. the uh, I do. I like the Jets. I like them. Vancouver took too much of a step backward, I think. The Sens are the Sens. Uh, Sends of the sins. You know who I was actually really liking what they were doing, and Eric Engels completely turned me off of the sins because he was like, basically, with the Ottawa Senators, 
you know, and everything that's gone on with them uh, the past few years. You need guys who can jump on grenades. Mark Borietsky jumped on the between two ferns grenade and did that <laughs> stupid interview with Eugene Meldick, right? So he jumped on that grenade and Jean-Gabriel Paggio jumped on other grenades and Bobby Ryan, I'm sure, jumped on some grenades. Uh, who's there to jump on grenades now? Like, that's pretty much what they got Erica Branson for. Like, everyone's laughing at him. Oh, he's going to be top pairing with Thomas Shabbat. Guys, Erica Branson's about to have such a hard job. And if he succeeds at it at all, kudos to him. Um, they're going to get good, but they're going to have to convince some oldies to come to that town first. They've got a few nice things coming their way, especially over the last couple drafts. But I feel like if New York didn't really succeed as much as we thought they might have last year with all the, the, the shiny toys that they added, I can't see Ottawa, you know, rifling up the standings. Leaving yeah. Vancouver out, that's – it's not bold. Like, I agree. They they took steps backwards, and they they haven't built a good group around two superstars. But that would suck to see no Pedersen, no Hughes in the playoffs. And those guys are so special, too. Like, who knows? Like, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough. It's just those two take a step. And then – I'm. you couldn't possibly get more out of JT Miller, could you? There's like, no that way. guy no. that guy received heart votes. Go Go look. On hockey reference, I, I saw. Do and maybe he shouldn't have gotten them, but that's how good he was. Um, so like Pedersen has more to give. Quinn Hughes has more to give. JT Miller, how do you possibly have a better season than he had last year? And then you're supposed to get better. That's and tough. you lose the best goalie in the world, and you lose a top six winger in Tyler Toffoli. Well, I'm like, and Patrick you lose Troy Stetcher was not good last regular season. Like he, he was unbelievable in three games in the playoffs and like JSO ban went like 11, one and two over a 14 game stretch with the Leafs. Like goalies get name. hot, man. Like what a callback. Wasn't Oban. No, that was Abisher. Abisher was a backup for Wa They, the, when they got blown out by Detroit, yep. I mixed up those names. Abish. He was Colorado in Oh two. Yeah. Oh, that time he got blown up. I was thinking Detroit. the Montreal I was, one. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't know if that's right. And <laughs> we'll fact I, check that one. I did a, um, I did a, uh, a deep dive during the spring of COVID. Uh, it was like a, a biggest dang it's in NHL history, mm-hmm. and I did the night Detroit beat Montreal eleven to one. Oh and, yeah, and. The- <laughs> You talk about, like, what a bunch of bullies. Like, the gentlest bullying I've ever seen in a hockey <laughs> game. Like, Nicholas Lidstrom, like, ah, you know, you tried. And, like, just, they they didn't have to hang 11 on him. That was can so you, mean. Can you imagine the Red Wings scoring 11 goals on you and the crowd that you have to face while that's happening is in Montreal? <laughs> oh, it's and, and it's ended up, the Red Wings accidentally started their the best rivalry ever against the avalanche in a game that didn't even involve them yeah because <laughs> patrick yeah. was an av for four uh days later they meet in the conference final you know what happens but then what happens the next two seasons red wings win the cup yeah yeah all right we Jump wouldn't in. we wouldn't want to brag about that in front of you too much yeah, yeah. i can do I'll, I'll give you 10 more minutes guys. he was a red wings fan in the 90s as proof by the hat he got to enjoy 97 and 98 Oh, I got I got the newspapers. Um, I told the story many many times. Chris Draper came to my grade two class while he was recovering from the Claude Lemieux hit. Mm-hmm. That was so how did cool. his face look? 
Uh, looking back at pictures, like kind of swollen. It was it was a while after. Oh, okay. I thought he'd look like a mashed potato or something like that. No, he still had the goatee. I don't think he was interested in shaving. <laughs> like he's, uh, he still had the goatee. I gotta. I'll, I'll give you guys that for the for the podcast. It looked like uh, Sidney Crosby denying he had the mumps when he definitely had the mumps. <laughs> <laughs> I oh man, that happened. Oh yeah. And by the way, every everything's gonna be good. No one's gonna get COVID. Yeah, remember the mumps outbreak? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The mumps. <laughs> this is uh this is interesting. I mean, I'm I'm just sort of like okay, let's let's all just let's just be honest here. We all spend half our day on TikTok just screwing around looking at stupid videos. You know the all the leaves are brown. Oh, I hate that one. Right. <laughs> but I'm the all the leaves are brown person and someone is being like, "Hey, there's still five NHL teams, four of them Canadian, that aren't. They don't have permission to play in their home arena yet. And I'm just all the leaves are brown. <laughs> I'm just ignoring that fact. But as of this recording, the Leafs, Sens, Habs, and Canucks do not have permission to record in their arena. The Sharks are the one American team. Oh, yeah. Boy. Fun. <laughs> all right, hockey ball. Because I'm going to circle back to your predictions of who you think is going to make the playoffs. And it, this might be a relevant question given an unfortunate video you had to put out recently. I am very, very, very skeptical of the Montreal Canadiens. And I don't actually love what they did. So you have them in the playoffs. So noted Leafs super fan, Steve, please sell me on the Habs. Um, well, obviously, they were 24th out of 24 heading into the playoffs. So that's a tough look. But um, having seen a decent amount of them, and obviously you have too, uh, I always looked at them and I said, they're going to have a hard time making the playoffs. They're always going to have a hard time making the playoffs with this current group. But if they ever make it, they're going to be a problem because they have players you don't necessarily want to play against. Shea Weber, in one regular season game, you know, you blow by him a couple times. Like, you can have fun playing against Shea Weber. Shea Weber, four to seven times... Sounds not fun. When the stakes are higher, too. Yeah, and like Kasperi Kapanen. Kasperi Kapanen could mess around with Max Domi and get under Brendan Gallagher's skin. Ah, and then you go on the road the next game and you take on some other team and, you know, it doesn't matter. Again, four to seven games. Carey Price, the Pittsburgh Penguins wanted nothing to do with him. And the Habs, to their credit, I they're spending way too much on goaltending, but... Uh, is goaltending not the most important part of that team? So to have Jake Allen behind Carey Price, we know Jake Allen's a good backup. We're done with Jake Allen as a starter. Um, but him as a backup works, and you can win a Stanley Cup with him as the backup. Um, we already know that. We saw it uh, with a rookie goalie. So imagine what Carey Price can do. Um, I like the addition of Toffoli. Josh Anderson is going to bring an element. I'm not convinced he's 27-goal guy. Um, that contract's kind of nuts, but as long as we're just talking about this season, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, the, the lead I'm burying here is they're, they got such a young team that's only going to get better. And like Nick Suzuki's only going to get better. Uh, Kakanyemi's only going to get better. Who knows what kids are going to make the team. Paling had a nightmare season last year. He'll come back better. Um, I don't know what the deal with Caulfield is, but I, I'm still convinced he'll be decent. Uh, it's a good team. Man. Oh, Romanov. I haven't yeah, even good. mentioned Romanov. They're going to be good. 
uh, if it's not this year, it's going to happen. They're going to be a good team. Um, well, I was laughing in my head for there for a second. You mentioned Kat Kinyemi, and uh, if people think Red Wings fans have an unhealthy obsession with Zadina insider highlights, I remember the <laughs> not too long ago on Twitter where there was like a Kat Kinyemi won a face-off gift going around. I was like, whoa. Oh. We are not on that level. No, no, that's so ridiculous. And I mean, I do, I do respect, like there was a Nylander one this morning. And first, first of all, I'm like, it is December 22nd. What are you doing? Uh, you know, but it was, it was he, it was him battling in the corners and he cleaned out Eric Cernak and I kept watching the clip waiting for the goal. (laughs) (laughs) Just kept looping. And it just, it didn't, it was just a nice battle in the corner and I'm like, all right, you're right. It is, it was it was nice, but like friggin' that is not worth the time that you put into it. No. When you no. started that, when you were in the middle of that Nylander story, and you mentioned waiting for the goal, the first thing, and don't ask me why this is the first thing that came to mind. It was that scene from Euro Trip where he's Scotty's like, I watched a gay porn once. It start. I started it, and the girls never came. They never came. <laughs> I Euro. I saw Euro Trip for my 16th birthday. Oh. dating myself right uh, now yeah. <laughs> yeah i think Daddy it was a minor midget hockey tournament we killed an afternoon watching that <laughs> dude it's if you're 16 in 2004 or whenever how old was i i don't know 2004 yeah, if you're 16 in 2004 it's the thing to do <laughs> um i i would love to be able to find a segue for this and, and i can't so i apologize uh but when is leo gonna wear his winged wheel podcast onesie um because that was a gift so don't be rude next time he has green beans next time he has green beans because um green beans uh do not agree with him so if i need to mop up (laughs) something i'll I'll put him in that stupid onesie that you gave him you gave him one you guys were planning ahead too you gave him one that was like older than he is so that he'll be ready for the season Oh, yeah. I, I had no interest in hearing from you, oh, he already outgrew it, or he's too big. Sorry, man. No, no, no. That's not the way we roll. You, know, <laughs> you might not believe this, but he's only got one Leafs item. He's only got one piece of Leafs apparel. Oh, no, two. He's got a jersey. But he's only got one onesie. He's, I'm not dressing him up in a jersey on a day-to-day basis, so I'd, I'd say he only has one. <laughs> it's not very functional for a baby. Though. No. It's and it would be covered in... Yeah. Man, it's just baby's turn on a dime. Look at him. He's so cute. And bleh, just everywhere. everywhere. You have to respect it. You uh, do. You do. I don't even get mad. I'm just like, all right. There's puke all over me right now, and I don't even care. I love you. You know this was long overdue when um, neither uh, Brad, myself, or Evan uh, tried to prep any topics for you, Steve. We were just like, oh, yeah, Steve's coming on. <laughs> uh, just <laughs> throw him a ball. Yeah, he'll go run. I haven't even talked about Detroit. All right, it's uh, my team. Clearly, no, no, my no. team. <laughs> Let's have him do it. Your prediction for Detroit, genuine, and then give us a hot take. Give us a Steve Dangle hot take for the Red Wings. Uh, hot take: This year they're going to be much better, and next year they're going to catch the league off guard. Um, I genuinely believe that. Um, Stevie Y, stupid like a fox. Obviously, we know here. Um, I saw that announcement today, uh, Cider and Valino staying in Sweden. Yeah. The, the mission of this season is still obviously very much rebuilding. Um, you're not going to want to take an aggressive, 
uh, leap forward um, or, you know, try to make any ridiculous moves. Uh, the only thing that sucks, if, if you're not going to make the playoffs this year, and I don't think the Red Wings are, um, wh- how do you make a deal at the trade deadline with COVID restrictions? So, like, let's say, for example, Canada still has at least a week or two um, for quarantine. Like, are, are you going to negotiate a first-round pick for a guy that gets dropped down to a third because you're not going to have him for the first two weeks? Or Yeah. Right. Like, how is it? Like, let's say the Leafs want to get a, you know, they're, they're in a playoff position and they want to get, name a guy on the Red Wings. How is that going to work? Or any Canadian team. How is that going to work? But well, the Leafs want Luke Lindenning. That's what we push every oh, year. Oh, hell yeah. Because yeah. I already got that jersey made. That's Leo's next piece of apparel. Thank you. Because Leafs fans always hate that. Sorry, go ahead. Well, the, the Red Wings were a great... Um, you know what they sort of looked like? You're, you're not going to like this. Um, they reminded me of the 16-17 Avalanche. Who, that, that <laughs> yeah, team. we were worse. Yeah, we were. Don't, don't put us <laughs> on oh. that pedestal. Oh, no, no. <laughs> No, I know. That was a compliment. <laughs> they were wait, do it 16 17 whatever the, the team that had like 47 points. Yeah, yeah it was right. it was 16 17. Yeah. So, but the reason so they were horrible and that was the team that made me send my stupid Joe Sackick tweet that got me into trouble. Um where I was like this guy should be fired. He's terrible. Uh, and then he go, goes and <laughs> pulls off the heist of the century and builds like one of the best teams in the NHL. But um that team apart from being bad was just all the way unlucky and had every injury in the world. And that was the Red Wings. They kept they kept all their young guys in Europe or the minors. Uh, everybody got hurt. Jonathan Bernier had to poop his pants in one game. And uh, part I mean one of the main reasons why I think they're gonna take a step this year besides health and their young guys getting a little better, is uh, Thomas Grice is not Jimmy Howard. <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Howard won two games. When was his last? Did did I read a stat that he won two games in October and that's yep. all he won? Yep. Mm-hmm. And he played like 25 games or something? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, you, you could take any AHL starter. You could take any AHL backup right now, throw them into the exact same position. They will get more than two wins. Poor Jimmy, man. One hundred percent. So much abuse. Th- he completely throw, lost it. You can throw Jimmy Howard back in. You can you can throw Jimmy Howard back in. He's not winning two out of thirty or whatever it is. That's not gonna happen. I'm not saying they're gonna be great, but you saw how good Bernier was. What? Jonathan Bernier being that good on a team that hell bent on losing. <laughs> like, I, I imagine, you know, uh, Thomas Grice is used to having success with teams who people doubt. So uh, look out, anyone who wants the Red Wings to win the draft lottery. Maybe this is the year. Maybe you guys narrowly miss the playoffs, and this is the year you get the first. I hope not. No, we want this is to be either last year or next year. Mm, yeah, this was this has been my prediction for about a year now, because this is the wide open draft where there's like 10 guys who can go number one. I've been... my. My miserable prediction has been this will be the last year of the draft lottery as it is. The Red Wings win it, get a guy at number one who's not much better than the guy at number eight, and then the NHL changes the rules that teams can't win multiple lotteries, so we're not even in on Shane Wright. Uh, 
Shane Wright would be great. You think Stevie Y is looking that far down the line? I think so. He's like, we're, we're getting right. Let's just let's just say I don't share your opinion of how the following season's gonna go. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Steve Dangle on the Winged Wheel podcast. He'd be more optimistic than Brad. A universe that we never knew existed, but hey, what's twenty twenty been? Steve, the next time we'll have you on is after Toronto trades for both Jonathan Bernier and Luke Lindenning at the trade deadline. Uh, but until then, best of luck. Uh, we wish Leo and Mrs. Dangle well, and uh, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, let, let's go. 97 Red Wings. Yeah, Am I 97 right, guys? Red Wings. Please. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> and that was Steve Dangle surviving us for a good 30 minutes. So uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, we always appreciate when he comes on. We know people have been asking as to when that was going to happen. Uh, it had been some time. So um, the, the, the bringer of the Taylor Hall macaroni story, the scorer of the shootout goal, like Brad said, and definitely not the same person as Evan Lobsinger. Um, I really hope Toronto trades for a Detroit depth player just to bring him back. Although I'm happy he's a proponent of Glenn Denning to Toronto because I have, we've been unironically saying that for some time now. I mean, we don't really need much of an excuse to have him back on because we are a Red Wings podcast and he is a noted Red Wings fan. So right. Yeah. Don't need much of an excuse. He did the Montreal is the best video for charity. He shows up in Red Wings gear just because he likes it. <laughs> he was also way more optimistic than at least, I think, uh, at least more than me. And oh, yeah. I think more than you, Ryan, about Red Wings outlook. I'm not and sure about definitely Brad. definitely me. Yeah. yeah so Evan, I literally said in the interview with Steve that he was more optimistic than me. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't listening to you. Was I, I know you weren't. <laughs> um, Steve has now set off another train of 50 comments in episodes saying, can the Red Wings make the playoffs next year? No. Which, I mean, not like, not this 2021 season, but hey, who knows for 2022? Who knows? Um, yeah, really funny that he's that optimistic. Anyways, until next time with Steve, um, and we appreciate all the cool hats. But for now, let's talk about the Red Wings. Oh, no, no. Let's continue our North Division analysis. What am I saying? Yeah. 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 It's the theme here, Ryan. So I am, I'm actually struggling with this division to, to gauge it because look at Winnipeg and look at Vancouver and look at Edmonton. Those three teams to me are all... Teams with really good pieces, but have within the last few years struggled to put it together, whether it's because they've lost guys or they have holes or they're just, they can never, you know, be greater than the sum of their parts. I think I believe in Edmonton more than Vancouver and Winnipeg. I just don't know about Vancouver. Like, I really, really don't know. So, um, we're going to get a lot better insight in Vancouver shortly with um, JD's interview, which we'll be posting um, in a bit. Um, I agree with most of what JD is going to say about them, so I won't waste too much time on it. Edmonton's the weird one for me. and Edmonton's always the weird one, so I know that's not out there, but we know what they are. They're, they're the Barbie hockey team, all top, no bottom. Um they have addressed the depth, though. Um, it sucks that they lost Clefbaum for the year due to his that nagging shoulder injury, but they did add Tyson Berry. Their young blue liners are very promising. Uh, Dominic Cahoon was a great, cheap addition. I mean, I we rip on Ken Holland all the time. I actually really like what he did with Edmonton this offseason, um, other than their goaltending. But if 
but Miko Koskinen put up a 917 last year. So not that I'm banking in him being the the guy, the savior, but that's respectable. That will get Edmonton a division title if the rest of the team holds up. It's just will the rest of the team hold up. And given how their regular season went last year, I think it will. I mean, we can all rip on them for losing to Chicago in the playing round, but that's a best of five in, in, in that scenario. We we knew it before it started. It just takes one team to get cold for 10 days and it ruins your whole season. So it happened. It happened to Pittsburgh too. I mean, it is what it is um, for two very different reasons, but it is what it is. Uh, I still have faith in Edmonton. I don't love what Calgary did. Uh, Markstrom helps. They paid him way too much money, but for this season... He'll be great for them. I still like their blue line. I don't like their offensive depth. And with Winnipeg, I still don't know what to make of their defense. I mean, DeMello is good. Um, They have a couple nice pieces. Pionk was better than expected, but they don't have that stud on the blue line. And I know a lot of people think Josh Morrissey is that guy. I don't. They have some ridiculous depth up front. Bringing back Paul Stastny was a tidy bit of work. Connor Hellebuck's the reigning Vesna. I think the West is wide open, but right now uh, my favorite for that side of the division is probably Edmonton. I have Montreal. I'm just going to run through my like very loose predictions here, and this is done with probably less prep than I would usually do for a divisional preview episode because of you know how much time we how much notice we had for to start these. Um, but my preliminary standings as of uh, early may will be uh toronto edmonton calgary vancouver winnipeg montreal and ottawa in that order and sorry one more time so i can digest this because i think you might have ripped me off team for team toronto first yeah edmonton agreed i yep agreed vancouver winnipeg yep montreal ottawa team for team where I'm struggling is does does Montreal get more credit or should they get more credit than I'm giving them? I am notoriously always tough on Montreal and, and they have overperformed the last couple of years. I don't think Ottawa last is going to – I think that – I'd be shocked if that didn't happen. Are we overvaluing Winnipeg and undervaluing Montreal there? And are we overvaluing Calgary as well? I mean, we have Winnipeg out of a playoff spot. So – I can't say we're overvaluing them. We have them, what, one spot ahead of Montreal. I'll start by saying a lot of what Steve said I agree with. They are absolutely a team that could be built to do what they did against Pittsburgh. Whereas if everything goes right and they get hot and they get some some timely goal scoring, their goaltending and their defense is enough to get them by. But two reasons push me against believing in Montreal. One, this is a team that was recently swept by the Detroit Red Wings. And two, I still don't know where the goals are coming from on this team. I like the addition of Tyler Toffoli. That was a tidy contract. I expect Josh Anderson to at least match, if not slightly outperform, what Max Petretti, uh, Max Petretti, Max Domi did with Montreal. Um, Brendan Gallagher should be back and have a full healthy season. Nick Suzuki's pretty good. Kotkaniemi is pretty good. They should have good seasons. Do you know what Montreal, out of all those players I mentioned, do you know what they don't have there? A first liner, a game breaker. They have decent offensive depth, but when paired up against a team's top, like 
defensive unit, defensive forward line, whatever you want to call it, they don't have the superstar talent that's able to overcome it. They don't have enough offense coming from the blue line to aid them in overcoming it. This is a team that is going to struggle to produce offense, especially in a division where Toronto just beefed up their defense. We can laugh about the Leafs shortcomings all they want, but they they did address a, a, a hole there. Edmonton's defense is only getting older and better. Uh, Calgary just shored theirs up. Vancouver added Nate Schmidt. Ottawa is Ottawa. Nobody's saying that they're going to contribute in any meaningful way. So, I mean, this is not a good division for Montreal to be in as a team that struggles to score. And they should have offered sheeted Mantha. <laughs> <laughs> like, but maybe actually. So, Brad and I have identical rankings. Evan, your thoughts and your ad hoc standings for the Canadian or the sorry, the North Division. Yeah, I don't uh, particularly remember what your orders were, so you know I won't be ripping you off. <laughs> yeah, we, we are well aware you did not listen to a word of them. I heard it, and then you guys kept going on and on, and then I just went back to my cap friendly. Um, no, Evan's, Evan's train of thought when we're talking is just when someone flatlines at the hospital. I need point form. That's what I need, and that's what that's what I do at work. So that's where my brain is, and then you know, once it's it's it just falls off a cliff after about two sentences. Anyways, um, standings. I would say I'll do Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary are the three uh, for me to start it off. <laughs> Ottawa. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um. Oh man, now the pressure is on to change mine. Um, or you could leave it. You wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, because I don't remember who you guys put here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll give you a hint here, Evan. You're no, don't. I don't want to. Three. Hint. You're three I know, for three so far. Well, I know it's three for three because you both perked up. <laughs> um, so Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, uh, not Ottawa. Ottawa will be last. Okay. Um, honestly. I'm saying Montreal. Oh, there's, okay. There's something about that lineup and it, you know, they don't have that superstar, but it, it'll be, you know, done by committee with that team. And I, I like what they did with the goalies. There's a ton of money, um, to bring in Jake Allen. Um, but anything to get the load off carry price a little bit, I think it'll work out. It should work out well. Their decor. I actually really like, especially if Romanov's co- comes in this year. Um, and then offense, everybody's got to chip in. Um, that will be the key to drive that engine. So I'll put I'll put Montreal there. And then who does that leave me with? Uh, I'll say Winnipeg, Vancouver after that. But I think it'll be close. I think any, especially with 56 games, any of those, th- almost any team but Ottawa has a really good shot to, to make the playoffs. Like if if a team goes eight and one who you didn't think would, they'll probably get in. If the Leafs, no no uh, shot at Steve, but if the Leafs go two and two and eight to start the season, like it's do or die already. So I'll I'll say that's my standings for now. Um, but I, I think it could be wide open for the last couple playoff spots in the North Division. Okay, uh, that's the North Division. We are actually going to. Um, 
jump over to our interview with JD Burke. Uh, we talked to JD a little bit about the North Division. We actually talked to JD a lot about uh, EP Ringside's um, or Elite Prospects. It was it EP Ringside or was it just Elite Prospects? I don't know what it was under. I was following the thread on the EP Ringside, so I'll just assume that. Um, they ranked the Red Wings as having the third best uh, prospect system in the NHL. So uh, we decided that was a great time to bring JD on. So uh, we'll jump over to that interview now. You can hear what JD has to say about um, the Red Wings prospect pool and the North Division. Enjoy. As is tradition on the Winged Wheel podcast, uh, we bring in our guests when they are at the height of complimenting the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, we never claim to not surround ourselves with only uh, people who are only saying things we want to hear. Uh, some words that the, today's guest has just written. Um, the Detroit Red Wings are going through a renaissance. There's a spoke in the wings of this phoenix, and it's forming in the ashes. Uh, we'd like to welcome back J.D. Burke to the show. J.D. is the uh, editor-in-chief at EP Ringside and the co-host of both the Elite Prospects podcast as well as uh, Rinkwide uh, TSN 1040. J.D., thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. And, and you know what's funny is you know how your, your brain kind of fills in the end of a sentence as people are talking <laughs> When you were going, you know, we brought somebody in here at the height of, I assumed you were going to say exhaustion, because that's that's where the height of something is for me right now. Uh, having having made it to the finish line of this series, I've got one more team to write up. Who knows who that's going to be? I mean, process of elimination, never heard of her. But uh, <laughs> really happy to join the show. Uh, really happy to talk about the Red Wings prospects, particularly while they're still at the forefront of my mind here. Uh you know, uh, another 4,000 words down and, and uh, got to get those out there, got to get those thoughts organized in podcast form before it's all LA Kings knowledge in my head. Yeah. So there we go. We're immortalizing this. it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So let's dive into that because there's a <clears throat> obviously a wide range of opinion on where the Red Wings prospect system sits relative to the league, rest of the league, and you put them at number three, which, needless to say, got Red Wings fans uh, beyond excited, um, with the driving force behind that being Lucas Raymond. And uh, you were one of the um, writers that I noticed going into the draft that was on the higher side of Lucas Raymond versus the consensus. So in your opinion, what separates Lucas Raymond from the prospects that would have been below him on the list? I mean, uh, I've, I've kind of been, been saying this going back to October. It's just, he's the most complete winger in this draft. And, and he might not be the best sniper. He might not be the best playmaker. He might not have the best two way profile. He might not be the fastest, but he does all of those separate components at such a high level, if not bordering on elite, that it creates a sum that is so much greater than the whole of its parts. And it's so easy to project his game to the NHL level because all you're doing with a Lucas Raymond is like tinkering around the edges. You're telling him to get stronger. You're telling him to work on uh, perhaps some of his skating mechanics. But I mean, when you compare this to some of the red flags that emerge from other prospects in that range, uh, frankly, there, there just pretty much aren't any with, with Lucas Raymond's game. And, and Christopher Hedlund, who scouts Europe for us, he's been pretty vocally in his corner all season. And I think at the beginning of the year, Christopher said, we need to hold Raymond in the same esteem that we do a Quinton Byfield and an Alexi Lafreniere. And as the season carried on, as we got more eyes on Raymond, as we got more cross-scouting done, uh, that was the, the position that we came to hold going into the draft as well. 
And and as much as Christopher was one of the, the champions of Raymond last year, uh, Rachel deserves a due of credit on that one as well because she scouts the OHL for us. And she did some cross-scouting work because we, we kind of tinkered with the idea of Rossi at three rather than Raymond for a little bit there. Uh, but when, when Rachel took the time to do the crossover work, she said it was Raymond, Raymond number three. And, and we can, we can end that discussion. And that, that ended up being the tier for us. I mean, I think it's, you know, the, the extent to which we're higher on Raymond isn't just that we had him third overall. It's that we hold him in that same tier as we do a Quinton Byfield and an Alexi Lafreniere. We see him as belonging in that same esteemed air. And, and I think we're starting to see a lot of why that, that was the case going into that draft this season. I mean, he, you know, I was just talking to Hakan Anderson today, the director of, to the director of, of European scouting for Detroit. And he goes from 13th forward to the go-to guy on the power play. Uh, that's development. That's somebody who took all the right lessons in stride of a tough draft year when he was barely getting minutes, when he was playing with the least skilled parts of Ferlunda's team. And rather than moping and rather than, than, than wallowing in self-pity, took those lessons, worked on them in the summer, came back to camp and won a spot in their top six. He's playing high leverage minutes. He's putting up the points. And and something that a lot of people bring up with Lucas Raymond as well is just what a what a fiery competitor he is as well. Like uh, the, the thing that, that a lot of people will say is this is somebody who wants the puck on his stick when the game is, is down to that last minute, when your team needs a goal to even things up. You want players like that in your system. And if you're a team like the Detroit Red Wings, and this is why I think it was a really perfect fit for them as well, uh, you know, you, there's a lot of prospects in, in your system, and I don't think that, that we would have rated the Red Wings as, as the third best pool in the league if we didn't feel that way. But they're still so far away, right? And, and they're still so far away relative to a New York Rangers, relative to an LA Kings. And, and that extends to the, the, the product that they're putting out there with their NHL roster. So they, they just can't avail themselves of the luxury of drafting for position. That's not an option. That's not a thing. Right now, they need to inject as much high-end talent into their lineup as possible. And when I look at Lucas Raymond, I see him there available at fourth overall. That, for me, was a no-brainer pick. And that's why I think they checked in at number three overall in our rankings. It, I'm glad you brought up that last point about Raymond being the fiery competitor that he is because he's not crazy unique in this sense, but his development curve has been so fascinating because he's almost seemingly never played against his peers. He, he'd be in leagues as a double, triple, quadruple underager. Almost every major tournament he played in, he was a underager, a double underager. There were so few samples where he was head to head with his peers and when he did he dominated so obviously then he steps up to the j20 at 16 years old he steps up to the shl at 17 years old um now he's a go-to player in the shl at 18 years old how do you think always stepping up in that competition is going to affect his development when he comes over to North America, whether that's in the AHL, the NHL. And again, he's stepping out of his comfort zone and going up a level. I think it's going to make it pretty seamless, uh, to be honest with you. And I think that's why if I were a Red Wings fan, I'd be sizing up a Grand Rapids Griffins jersey, if not a Detroit Red Wings one for for Lucas Raymond as soon as next season. I mean, like I said, it's just skills development 
improving his skating, uh, getting stronger. Like these are the things he needs to do, but he also knows that and he's internalized that. And I don't think that he puts on eight pounds in muscle over the course of one off season if he hasn't internalized that lesson. Uh, so I, I really think that it's going to make the transition, an especially easy one. I think the fact that he's been playing against men for as long as he has, is going to bode very well for that transition period. He's not going to be out muscled. He's not going to be outworked. Uh, his habits are going to be at such a high level that he can keep up at the NHL, uh, NHL level and the NHL pace. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I think he's in a, a better position to make that next step than a lot of players who went in that same range. I mean, like, Here's the thing. When we, we talked about the top 10, we're forming our board and we put a lot of thought into this. Uh, there were red flags that, that abounded in all those prospects. And, and you have to be that cautious at that point in the draft, right? Because a lot of people will go, oh, just toss a dart. Well, well, I cover the sport from Vancouver. If you just tossed a dart in 2017, this team wouldn't have Elias Pettersson. And they would still be in the depths of their rebuild. You have to have even more diligence at the top of the draft. And when we looked at, for example, at Tim Stutzla, some of the bad habits that have crept into his game, I think it's going to be a really rough transition for him. When we look at Cole Perfetti, I think the skating and pace, that's going to make it a bit more difficult to transition to the pro game than it will for somebody else. When we look at Alexander Holtz, he's still learning those defensive details. Yaroslav Askarov, I mean, goalies are voodoo, am I right, folks? Uh, so you look at Lucas Raymond and just none of these concerns uh, abounded for us. I mean, I think the only prospect who would be comparable within that range would have been a Marco Rossi. But even then, there are questions about how he's going to handle the rigors physically of playing in the NHL at his size. So I think it's going to be a pretty seamless transition. And I think that provides uh, some, some relative insight into our thought process behind ranking him so highly. Well, continuing down your rankings with the Red Wings, we're going to go to the Complete opposite end of the physical spectrum uh, with, again, no surprise here at number two, you guys had Mo Sider. I think at this point, it's pretty well established who Mo Sider is as a player. Obviously, Red Wings fans have been following him closely for the last year and a half, especially this season in the AHL. Um, I have two questions for you about Mo Sider. The first being is his offensive upside. We've seen flashes of skill from him, but obviously it's still pretty tepid on whether or not he'll be a power play quarterback or much of an offensive producer in the NHL level. So I'll get you to touch on that first. And then second, given the pandemic world and the taxi squads and the weird allocation of players in the NHL this year, once the SHL season's over, do you think most cider season should be done? He should be in Grand Rapids or he should go straight to Detroit. Yeah, I mean, he, he's taken such a huge step forward in his development. I mean, uh, I, I was really shocked when I got the intel that I did going into that draft. It was like, no, the Red Wings are going to take him at sixth overall. Like, this is happening. And, and I just, I, I couldn't fathom it. I couldn't make sense of it. It was a full 10 spots higher than I had him. But then you think about it and you go, well, what about Hampus Lindholm? And if I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan. That's the player I look at because I think about the Anaheim Ducks. They went through the exact same thing when they drafted him. It was too early. He doesn't have offensive upside. Uh, every now and then, like there, there's something to be said for, for a scout who just knows his stuff and has his conviction. And I, I kind of appreciate that. And if you have somebody like Hakan Anderson uh, calling those shots, you can rest assured as, as much as is possible at the draft, right? Uh, there's nobody I would rather want to stand on their convictions 
than a Hakan Anderson. Uh, his track record speaks for itself. So uh, this wasn't a decision that was made lightly on their part. And and the other thing too is is whether he has that offensive ceiling or not. I think if you play a stable enough two way game, and I think Moritz Sider can do that, uh, then you are going to have the opportunities necessary to produce those points. So if he's not in the upper echelon of the NHL in terms of his points per sixty at five on five or his goals per sixty, whatever, he's going to be on the ice often enough because of how reliable he is and how durable he is in the defensive zone that those points are going to come. Which is my way of saying that, no, not necessarily. There, there isn't a, a ton of offensive upside to mine there. I think he's, he still struggle, uh, struggles a bit with his puck skills. Uh, for, for some reason, he really has a hard time handling the puck on his back. And as soon as Mitch Brown pointed that out to me, I could not see it. Um, he, he's not exactly courageous from the point, which is to say that he makes a lot of short-range passes to his left, to his right. Uh, doesn't really try to challenge or move into space. He doesn't have the sort of shot that can credibly threaten from long range. But what he does do well, and this is where you should have a small glimmer of hope if you're a Red Wings fan, is he activates into the rush. And every time that rush is going up ice, he's joining as the second wave. He's joining as as a third passing option. If you do that often enough, you're going to produce points. And and I say that because I saw Cider do it last year. You know, that was how he produced the bulk of his offense in the AHL was by joining the rush, getting into the play. Was he especially threatening from that posture? No, not really, particularly when one considers that when you're generating rush offense, that's when you're supposed to be at your most threatening. That's when shooting percentages get elevated at the NHL level. Uh, But his volume was so high that it didn't matter. And he still ended up producing the, I think it was the third most points per game of a U-20 defenseman in AHL history. So I think that is a nice insight into what he's going to do at the NHL level, and I think we're seeing even more proof of concept of that while he's playing with Rogla at, at uh, the SHL. Uh, you know, I think he could probably hold down an NHL spot this season. I don't see the rush, though, to be honest. Like, I keep him, keep him on the farm, keep sliding those entry-level contract years. Uh, you know, the... the The future is not now in Detroit. It's so far away from now in Detroit. And I think that they need to keep both eyes fixed firmly on the future. And and that, for me, means giving Mord Sider as much time as is necessary and living up to that Detroit uh, stereotype, whether it's true or not, of overcooking or overripening your prospects. Uh, What what better time to do that than now, right? Like, Mord Sider is not the difference between getting this team to the playoffs or not. Uh, in fact, you could put three more Moritz Siders in this lineup, and I'm not sure they're there. So uh, diligence, patience, and prudence are the words of the hour if you're in Little Caesar's Arena. All right, JD. So obviously, I don't think it came as any surprise to Red Wings fans that one, two was Raymond and Sider, where I think that your list caught most Red Wings fans off guard completely was number three. Because if you survey a hundred Red Wings fans, I think 99 of them would have put Jonathan Bergeron or Joe Valeno at number three. You didn't. And he's not really a huge secret to Red Wings fans anymore, but please enlighten us just how good is Albert Johansson. I'm honestly, uh, I'm surprised that that came as a surprise. Uh, you know, for us, it's it's clear as day. Like, there's, there's honestly, if you're doing tiers of the Red Wings prospect pool, it's those first three players are, are potential core pieces in, in Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider, and, of course, Albert Johansson in, in varying degrees, obviously, right? Otherwise, they would share the same number. 
Now, I, I think that what people are perhaps missing with Albert Johansson, and I tried to address this to some degree in the piece, was the connotation going into his draft year that he was uh, something of a, a low upside or a safe bet in the second round, right? Somebody who was a two-way defenseman who, you know, he might show up and make 20 to 30 points a year or something to that effect, right? But, but nothing too special. Uh, you know, whether that was a fair evaluation going into his draft year or not, who can say, but the player he is now is just so far removed from that. Uh, I mean, like, he, he's so manipulative with the puck on his stick. I mean, he, he does shoulder fakes, head fakes, eye deception, whatever it takes, right? Like, he draws that first four checker into the defensive zone, then leaves him in his dust, and that guy is two, three steps behind the play. He's created an odd man rush for his team, and he has the puck skills to maneuver through traffic, and really makes some just phenomenal things happen. And, and the step that he took for Faryastad this year, uh, I mean, he, he just keeps improving. He's one of those players where every viewing, he seems better. And, and uh, I mean, for me, it was just a total no-brainer. And, uh, you know, I think that he has real potential to perhaps bring some of the offensive value that, that Red Wings fans want to see from Moritz Sider. Well, Albert Johansson isn't going to defend as well as Mort Sider does. He might not even move the puck as well. Who knows? But he's going to produce offense at a much better, more stable, sustainable rate at the NHL level because he's so much more creative with the puck. He's got such good puck skills. And, and the way that he kind of darts between forwards and four checkers and, and really kind of activates off the blue line, I mean, that, that for me was a distinguishing factor in his game that made him a no-brainer at third overall in the Red Wings system, and I think somebody who represents a really solid bet to move into that top four at some point. Perhaps not next year, perhaps not the one after, but at some point in the next two to three years, he's going to be he's going to be skating in the Red Wings colors. So what you're saying is the Red Wings' top pair in three to four years is going to be Mo Sider and Albert Johansson. We'll just clip that for you. It, it totally could be. <laughs> it totally could be. I mean, I know you're you're trying to bait me into. <laughs> a bit of a, a joke prediction there. I, I get it. But look, we're super conservative at, at rinkside. And I hope people appreciate that because I think that if you go out on a limb for every prospect and you go, oh, this one's going to be in the top six, going to be a top six forward. Uh, and this one's going to be a top four defenseman. But we really try to make sure that we're not doing that. And so that way it carries weight when we say, look, we think Albert Johansson has top four potential. Uh, and, and I think when you read the rest of this article and you'll be like, oh, wow, they think a lot of our prospects top out as a number five defenseman or a number three center. Uh, it, it really gives more weight to that evaluation because we really think the world of his game and we think that there isn't anything really on the like in his like there isn't any obstacle on the way to the NHL for Albert Johansson. Now. You mentioned that you're a little surprised that Red Wings fans would be surprised by Johansson at three, but I think even you uh, know that Theodore Niederbach isn't a prospect whose opinion you carry is shared very wildly. Like even you referenced that scouts laughed at you guys having him as a first round prospect. And then obviously Red Wings fans were pretty happy when we got him in the mid to late second round. So to you, what makes Niederbach worth worthy of that first round ranking that you guys gave him? Well, there, there was one scout who, who wouldn't have been laughing at us. And, and I wish that I had made his acquaintance before uh, the draft because I would have felt so much better about, about our work and about myself too. 
because uh, he's, he's just a, such a happy-go-lucky guy, and that would be Hakan Anderson. <laughs> and I was on the phone with him today, like I said, to talk about the World Juniors, and I got an article on the way that I'm really excited about. It's how teams are going to scout the tournament this year, and, and he, he gave me some great answers for that. But I said, so this Theodore Niederbach kid, he's, he's okay, right? He says, J.D., a few years from now, people are going to be laughing at the idea that we got this kid in the second round. And, and the thing that you'll find is team scouts are also pretty conservative because, again, they need it to carry weight when they do go out on a limb for a player. And, and so they don't do it lightly. Uh, I'm telling you, Hakan is very excited about, about Theodore Niederbach, and he should be. He should be. The points that he put up last year, it, like, it felt as if, and I, I hate to use this language, particularly in a light, sent, light setting like this one, it felt like teams were gaslighting us. Because we'd be like, look, this Theodore Niederbach kid, he is leading his team among first-time draft-eligible scorers. And then when you look at the ice time, he was playing third-line minutes at 5-on-5. He was playing second-line minutes at 5-on-5. He never got that top-line deployment. And even so, he was putting up those amounts of points. So you'd have a scout be like, oh yeah, but a lot of it's coming on the the power play. And it's like, well, what's he supposed to do? Like, reject those minutes? Like, look at his rate scoring at 5-on-5. He's putting up points when he gets the opportunity to do so. And then, no surprise, look at what happens. He gets those minutes this year, and he's almost two points per game. Gee, shocker. And, and then he goes to the SHL. Even if the points weren't coming, he was playing about 15 minutes a night. He even got his first SHL goal. I think the thing that really set him apart for us was, we talk a lot about scout theory at rinkside, and, and skating is one of the things that we really get stuck on. Because we go... On the one hand, if you can't skate, you can't play. Uh, and, and, and I think that's something that I ascribe to more than some of the other people on the team. But, but it, it is a truism I find in the sport. But some players, if they can skate at a high level at this age, they don't develop some of the habits, they don't develop some of the instincts that players like a Theodore Niederbach has to adapt, uh, sorry, has to integrate into his game so that he can adapt. So he missed an entire year of development to a knee surgery. I think it was a torn ACL. He had to jump two levels of hockey when he returned. So he went from U16, skip right past the J18 elite, right past the U16 elite, I think it was, and straight into the J20. And he did that. And he did that while he was recovering from an ACL. And he's getting stronger this year. The reports are that his skating is improving. Uh, and I, I think that this World Junior uh, Championship that's coming up in Edmonton I'm so excited to see him on that first line because, you know what, I've got some scouts that I'm going to be texting. If he's putting up points with, with Raymond and Holtz, like, yeah, who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? Uh, and and it's it's because he's so smart. Like, the way that he distributes the puck from below the, the face-off dots in the offensive zone, I mean, like, he's, he's a gifted problem solver. If there's a secondary, a tertiary, a defensive variable, he's going to work his way through it in such a way that advances play. And what I mean by problem solving is there are some players who lack that dimension. So when they get confronted with secondary and tertiary variables in the offensive zone, the first thing they do is get rid of the puck or they short or they, they make the, the easy pass, but not necessarily the best one. Uh, a gifted problem solver like Theodore Niederbach is always going to find the best play. And he's technically skilled as a passer. He can do slip passes, hook passes, touch passes, space passes, jailbreak you can do all of these things and make it look easy and and when i look at what he's done this year for Frodo, when i look at all he's had to overcome to get to that point 
I think that this is going to be one of the best picks of the second round when we look back on this class maybe two or three years from now. And maybe Hakan's right. Maybe we're going to be wondering how he ever got to that point. Because the points he put up, the way he did it, pretty special stuff. So between Johansson and Niederbach, that could be two absolute steals and back-to-back drafts, which is, I guess, exactly why you need as many second-round picks as you can in a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Now, this has been all positive for the most part so far, obviously, because we're reading the top of the list. Now, one guy um, that you guys don't dislike, but he's lower on your list than conventional wisdom is Joe Valeno. Um Obviously, Red Wings fans are excited about him. We know what he is. We've seen what he what he did in junior, what he did uh, in the World Juniors, and what he did in, well, we'll say the second half of Grand Rapids last year. But he's number seven on your list. So what made you want to put Valeno behind uh, the guys we already mentioned and Master Simone and Bergeron? Uh, it's it's just a lack of skill. And, and I think like when I say that, everything's relative. And I tried to make that point in the article as well, like, when I say that Joe Valeno lacks skill, it's all relative. Like he's in the top one percentile of, or sorry, the top 99 percentile, always mix the two up on that, uh, that little scale there, uh, of players from, from his draft class. Uh, you know, we only think about the 200 who walk the stage, but what about the hundreds of other players who don't get to that point, right? So obviously, uh, in a non-relative sense, insanely skilled player. You don't go in the, the exceptional status bin if, if you don't have that talent base to begin with. We just haven't seen the advancement necessary to believe that he's going to bring it with him to the NHL level. Uh, he doesn't weaponize gravity, and what I mean by that is, you know, when you're watching somebody who's going to create offense off the rush, you want to see them engage the entirety of the defensive front. So let's say you're crossing the blue line. They've got three, three men stacked across. You want to see a player who carries the puck in such a way as he's dragging one defenseman into the other, creating space for his winger to then slide in behind coverage and get a jailbreak pass through, right? Like that gravity is such a crucial component. If you don't generate your offense in zone during sustained possessions, you need to show that you have the habits necessary to really weaponize your speed and take advantage of that when you enter the offensive zone. Joe Valeno just doesn't have that knack. He doesn't. I think he, he's a fine enough passer. I think he's got decent vision. But, but ultimately, when you compare him to, to the NHL's top distributors, when you compare him to the people he's going to be lining up against uh, for the next five to ten years, it's just not there. It's just not there at the level that it needs to be. Uh, can it get there? Potentially, sure. I don't want to rule it out. Like that's Look, we, we, scouting is very imperfect, right? Like The people who are the absolute best in this industry are only batting 300. So anybody who speaks in certainties is, is totally talking out of their ass, if you'll allow me that swear word. But uh, I, I really think that ultimately, when you look at what he's accomplished, when you look at his skill set from where it was in his draft year, where he is now, uh, the progression hasn't been there to give us any indication that he projects as anything beyond a top six center who's going to have a great work rate, who's going to work his tail off, going to be great on the penalty kill and shut down roles. Just don't expect much in the way of offense because we don't have any indication that he's going to bring that with him to the Detroit Red Wings lineup. So one quick follow-up on Valeno because there's he's had an interesting trend in his development that I've noticed, and I don't know whether or not to put much weight into it. So obviously he had the huge weight of expectation coming into the queue when he got the exceptional status. Um, his rookie year as a 15-year-old went fine. I don't think he met 
the expectation everybody had of him. His 16-year-old year was, again, fine, but then it got better. And then his 17-year-old year, he obviously kind of burst out of that bubble in St. John, and everybody went, okay, there's closer to the guy we were expecting. And then he got traded to Drummondville uh, subsequently and exploded. And then he got to the age, uh, his, sorry, his first year in the World Juniors, he was there as a, as an 18-year-old, which was good, but he was basically a non-factor in the tournament. And then next year, the following World Juniors, he was one of their most important players. Um, and then his first half of the season in Grand Rapids, he very clearly looked like he was um, swimming above his grade there. And But his second half, it looked like it started to click. And I haven't been able to watch a ton of his games with Malmo this year, but most of the people we we communicate with in Sweden are saying that the last 10 or so games, he he looks like a much better player. So the reason I point all that out is it seems like it takes him a while to get it, but when he when he catches up, he seems to really get it. Do you think there's anything to that? Like he's just a, a, a slow developer or this is just progress taking its course? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, different people are going to gauge progress differently, right? Like, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I don't know like how inside baseball this sounds, but like I can do a scouting report where I have no idea if the player has scored a goal or, or registered an assist. Because I'm so focused on the minutia, I'm so focused on the inputs, uh, I'm so focused on on their skating technique, their shot technique, their passing, their, their off-the-puck support, right? So different people are going to gauge that differently is what I'm trying to say. And, and I think that the trade to St. John was really the, the one moment where it was like, okay, there's, there's the Joe Valeno who got exceptional status. There he is. And, and, you know, I don't know if I saw a substantial change in the AHL, to be honest, maybe the points started to come, maybe his luck started to turn. Uh, you know, he, he's looked fine for Malmo this this year. I don't think he's looked like a future top six NHLer, but he's acquitted himself well. He's produced well enough. Uh, his speed on that that extra large surface is is really it's it's a nice value add there. Uh, I mean, like there might be something to that, right? Like I, I think he would hardly be the first player who needs to go through an adjustment period. I mean, there's, there's two ways you can kind of uh, broach that, right? Like there are players who, when they get into a new setting, they're all adrenaline and they're all excitement and they just go supernova. And then they put up all their points in the first 10 games and then that fades and uh, they're right back to square one. Maybe he's the opposite of that. Who knows? I mean, that, that certainly is a distinct possibility, but it's not necessarily one that has crossed my mind per se and, and hasn't really kind of, uh, worked its way into my Michael Leno consciousness, if you will. <laughs> so you know, we keep needling you on specific points here, JD. So uh, we're going to ask for a little bit of a broader view. Um, we always talk to the fans and the listeners about the way rebuilds go, but we have to be the first to admit that there's no real cookie cutter way for it to go. You know, we point to cases and examples, but it seems like each team has a different path every time they run one successfully. And then every time someone messes up, we just point at Buffalo and laugh. Uh, mm-hmm. Taking a look at, you know, the league at large and then at Detroit specifically, what do you think are the key pieces Detroit needs to add? And, and are they on the right path to do that? Or does something magical still need to happen for them to kind of get back on track? So I think the first thing that needs to happen is uh, they, they need to do a review of some of their, their North American work. Um, because I, I got to say, like somebody pointed this out and it really hadn't occurred to me, but somebody pointed this out in response to our Detroit Red Wings 
uh, ranking. And, and they went, oh, eight of your top 10 players are from Sweden. And I was like, you know what? That is, that, that is correct. That is quite the observation. Okay, interesting. And then you look at some of their past drafts and it's like the disparity between the, the regions is, it's really something. Uh, and, and, you know, I think haven't placed the best bets there. So, you know, my kind of, again, very inside baseball answer is, is they could do better work in North America, I think. Uh, you know, and, and I think that would help them out a bunch overall though. Like I, I think that Detroit and, and Steve Eiserman in particular are doing really good work, you know, and, and I think they should be applauded for that. Like in Vancouver, it was, it was, I was covering the Canucks and it was a little bit like Mugatu in, in Zooland or, you know, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because it's like this team would be in the bottom of the, the, the leaderboard every year and they wouldn't make any rebuild type trades. They wouldn't weaponize their cap space. They wouldn't make that Mark Stahl trade. In fact, there was rumors in Vancouver that they couldn't even conceptualize why a team would make that Mark Stahl trade for that second round <laughs> pick, right? But whether that's true or not, who knows? But that, that was the rumor in Vancouver, right? And so I think that what you can only do as a general manager is give your team a shot. Like, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, look at Washington uh, and, and Alexander Ovechkin. How many times were they told to blow that thing up? countless times and even i ascribed to that belief at one point i think it was when nicholas backstrom said uh going into that game seven where they they blew the three three nothing lead he goes oh we, we went into the building in game seven and knew we were going to lose i was like okay go nuclear this team can't do it and then they won the cup next year right and and you look at the tampa bay lightning how many times did you have pierre mcguire being like oh analytics are bad or whatever and uh, i can tell you where somebody played his high school hockey but i can't tell you the coursey because that would be bad uh, need to blow this up. Well, they had a 10-year window, and eventually they, they broke through it. And, and I think that there's, there's really something to that. I mean, hockey is, is more luck-driven than any other sport in the world. I don't care what anyone says, right? Like, you take two teams, one is a clear-cut favorite, they're going to win 60% of the time. Like, how's that for, for just dessert, right? Like, you build the best team in the world, and if you're lucky, you've got a 65% chance of winning your game against the worst team in your league. There, there is no other sport like that. So all you can do is build a durable, robust contender. You have to avoid some of those bad contracts that for, again, my Vancouver is showing here, but you have to avoid the Louis Erickson's. You have to avoid the Justin Abdelkaders. You have to avoid, uh, you know, contracts of that ilk. You have to not make mistakes around the margins. And, and I think that Steve Eiserman has given us proof of concept in Tampa when I look at what he's done thus far in, in Detroit, I think you guys are in good hands. I really, really do. I mean, this rebuild is going exceptionally well. Uh, like, has it been perfect? No, such a thing doesn't exist. And who would I be to tell you what is or isn't a perfect rebuild? I'm just a dude. Uh, so, you know, I think that if you're a Red Wings fan and you're looking at the composition of this group, you're saying we've got some pretty interesting uh, centers in, in Dylan Larkin, right? That's a nice piece to build around. You got Moritz Sider, you got Lucas Raymond. Just keep building. Just keep building. Don't don't rush it. Don't try to expedite it because of a PDO stretch that makes your team look better than it was before. Uh, just just stick to the process, as corny as that sounds, all these years later of Sam Hinkey and his pro, uh, process, right? <laughs> There's truth to it. The reason it's corny is because it sticks, and it sticks because it works. So uh, keep doing things the right way, and, and you'll get results. And it might take a while, but eventually they'll 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 occur. And also, like, 
there, there's something to be said for enjoying the process as well, right? Like, you know, if it takes eight or 10 or 12 years for, for Iserman to get the cup to this group, like it kind of did in Tampa, I mean, like sustained success at the top of the league, even if you don't get a Stanley Cup, sounds pretty cool to me. I don't know. So I, I think that overall, uh, lo- lots of reason for optimism if you're in Detroit. So just to bring us over to our last topic here, and, and uh, thank you for both uh, the encouragement for Red Wings fans and for also uh, ripping on Vancouver's cap structure, because that will lead us into uh, discussing the Canadian division in this upcoming 2021 season. Um, Vancouver is in kind of a funny spot. Um, and this, J.D., understanding you, uh, that you cover teams across the league, but you're, you're pretty intimately familiar with Vancouver. What can we expect from Vancouver relative to the rest of the division? And is this going to be kind of a wild card division where, you know, there's surprises up top or, or a team really underperforms? I, I think that Vancouver is the ultimate wild card, right? So you look at, you look at this group last season and how they were able to have the run that they did. How did they do it? They had the best top six in the NHL. When, when they had to fully, it was... Like, the numbers all back that up. If it wasn't the best, like, let's call it top three, top five. Uh, you know, really splitting hairs at that point. They had an elite top pairing. Whichever pairing Quinn Hughes was on, that was an elite pairing. And they had elite goaltending, right? So all their all their bases where they needed to be well-stocked, they were. I mean, the depth was terrible. Like, they, they also had one of, if not the worst, bottom sixes in the league. And and their bottom pairing looked terrible in the, in, in the playoffs, but now that top six without Tyler Toffoli and also without Josh Lebo, I, I don't think you can overstate that loss to this group. Uh, real glue, glue guy who you can just put anywhere in the lineup and he's going he's gonna to produce interesting results, particularly of the underlying variety. So you take them out of the equation and then you're left with, with Jake Vertanen, who the coach doesn't trust in high leverage minutes. Well, what does that mean? That means that it's Louis Erickson in the top six. And okay, that's not fun, but that's what they have to do. Uh, you look at their their defense. Did they improve their top four? Yes, absolutely they did. I think that, that uh, Nate Schmidt is a very clear upgrade on Chris Tanner. Full stop. But their bottom pairing is just like the ultimate question mark, right? Like I said, Ole Ulevi and Brogan Rafferty and Jordy Ben or Jalen Chatfield. So apparently that's a thing now in Vancouver. Uh, so th- that's also a part of their lineup that is in complete disarray. And then when you also consider how awful their bottom six was last year, they're returning effectively the same cast of players uh, without further depth at the top of their lineup. So that group is going to be subtracted from if there's even one injury to that group. So all the worst spots of this roster are somehow weaker than they were last year. And the great equalizer in goal is now gone. So I don't know, like it could be, it could be really ugly. But then again, they also have Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Like, if goaltending is the great equalizer, I think that those two players are. So it's it's really unfortunate, though, because I don't think enough is being made in this market of the fact that <clears throat> they effectively have to punt on the season because of how much money is invested in their bottom six. Like, there's a genuine cap crunch, uh, sorry, not cap, cash crunch in Vancouver. Uh, they, they don't have the, the financial flexibility or will to spend on this group. And it's the final year of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes' ELCs. This is an opportunity that most general managers dream of, and they'll never get it in their lifetime, most of them, to have two of the top five at their position 
making this little money. Like the idea that they cannot build around this roster and add players to it. Like never mind even just holding the line from where they were last year. The idea that they can't go all in and push their chips to the center of the table for this season, like that is devastating. That is a once that is like a once in every fifty years opportunity that they just flush down the toilet. And and I don't think enough is being made of that, particularly across the league where you know the the national media, they they never they never spare any expense when it comes to defending this this management group. I mean, I get it because Jim Benning is one of the nicest people on the planet, real salt of the earth guy. I've enjoyed every interaction I've had with him, but uh, I, I really just don't think enough is being made of the fact that you have two potentially like franchise pieces, right? Potential Hall of Famers. I don't even think it's outlandish to to drop that at this stage in their careers. Like they're such special players. You have one more year where they combine for under $5 million against your cap. And you have Brandon Sutter, Sven Berchi, Tyler Myers, Louis Erickson, Michael Furland. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. Antoine Roussel. Antoine Roussel, sure, throw him in the mix. <laughs> that's, that's over $21 million in a combined zero wins above replacement. Oh, that was very Detroit Red Wings. Like, it's it's honestly like I I don't call for people's jobs. It's not a thing I do, but that is a fireable offense objectively. That they have to punt on the final year of Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen's ELCs. That is that is malpractice of the highest order. So, given what they have and what we know, what do you think their strategy is going to be this year, especially in net? Because like you said, they have the unique opportunity where it's a pandemic, it's a wild card division. They have Hughes and Pedersen so cheap. Is is this a group that's going to be comfortable giving the young goalie the reins, especially after seeing what he did in the playoffs last year? Or is this a group that's going to take the safe bet and parade uh, Braden Holpe out there for 60 to 70% of the starts? I think it's going to be a platoon, to be honest. I, I really do. I think that uh, and this this market, very unique market, and we love it. But uh, the way that they talk about Thatcher Demko sometimes has me like so fascinated. Because on the one hand, you'd have this this group in Vancouver who would be like, they have to re-sign Jacob Markstrom if it's eight, nine, twelve million. They have to do it because he's the best goalie in the league. You can't replicate that. And now that he's gone, everybody's willing to hand the keys over to Thatcher Demko because of three fan- like phenomenal, like otherworldly, out-of-body experience-level good playoff games. I'm not trying to diminish what he did in the playoffs. It was amazing. Everybody saw it. That was like that gif of Mark Stone going up to him in the handshake line and just making that face like, what the hell was that? Like that, that was such a cool moment. But three games is not the sample in which I am going to invest in a goaltender, right? Like, that to me is no greater a portal into what he's going to do this season than any other three-game stretch of hockey. Like, how many goaltenders have we seen get hot for an entire playoffs? Play out of body, like, out of their mind, like, exceptionally well, and then fall completely flat down to Jordan Bennington Earth, right? So, like, I, I think ultimately... He's not going to be that goaltender because it's impossible. Who could who could replicate those performances over a prolonged sample? The the person who came close was Jacob Markstrom. He's gone. Uh, I think ultimately they're going to bounce between the two, between Holtby and Demko. I don't think it's necessarily a weak point, 
the Canucks in goal, but I don't think it's as strong as it was last year. And I think anybody who does believe that is delusional. All right, uh, JD, as much as we can legitimately sit here and talk hockey with you all day, I'm sure some of us or you have uh, something else to do with your night at this point. Um, I noticed in the middle of all of this that you actually tweeted out uh, the uh, the good news about Lucas Raymond that you got from Con Anderson. So thank you for sharing that with the Red Wings world via Twitter. Uh, and thank you again for joining us today, offering us insight into um, the officially uh, third-ranked uh, prospect system of the Red Wings as per EP ringside, uh, as well as your insight into the Canadian division. Uh, everyone, if you're not already subscribed to EP ringside, uh, we did it about a year ago, and I can't tell you how much of a resource it is for us as a podcast as we do our uh, research. Um, JD's work's fantastic, and also one of the most entertaining twitter follows uh in hockey twitter so at j dylan burke uh jd thank you again uh have a wonderful holiday and uh we're definitely gonna have you back so until next time yeah merry christmas happy holidays and uh i would be happy to join the program anytime thanks so much for having me and i'm glad somebody gets joy out of my twitter handle it's, <laughs> it's not me so it has to be somebody else and and so thanks for your kind <laughs> words and thanks for having me awesome thanks jd and that was our interview with uh, J.D. Burke. We hope you guys enjoyed that. Apologies if the audio was a little funny. Um, I kept counting down the days. I know there's a lot left, but I'm counting down the days until we can use some different uh, solutions to recording this podcast, i.e. back in the studio. But for now, we make do. And so thank you again t- uh, to J.D. for jumping on. Uh, a couple of quick topics to wrap up before overtime. Um Eisenman today confirmed a uh, few notes that we already knew, you know, Valeno insider would be staying in Sweden until the end of the season. Uh, guys like Rasmussen and Brome are already back in Detroit. Um, as well, he confirmed that they are going to be naming a captain before the season starts. So uh, we're, they don't know how yet, but the Red Wings will have a captain within a few weeks here. Yeah. We're I heard Justin applicator line. just went into quarantine to prepare for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're actually re-upping the exact same contract he had. Makes believe sense. it or not, they're just starting it from the beginning now. So there's not a lot of cool ways they can do this. So I think they should really try to do this in a cool way, but make it very—I don't even know what the word is—natural. Like, don't say anything about it through the whole training camp. Just go into game one of the season. Uh, assuming it's at home this would work ideally don't say anything just have everybody come out for warm-ups do their laps and then when they're actually coming out to start the season larkin just has it just let the internet blow up at discovering it themselves like don't say a damn thing until he's skating up to the center ice for the opening uh the ceremonial opening face-off they should not even tell him someone you know what is they're like patting each other's backs as they're getting on the ice like a trainer or something should have the patch like Velcro and just like bump on the chest, say, have a good game, Larks. And he skates out there with the scene. He doesn't even realize it. Like Gordon Bombay to Charlie Conway, just the old pat on the chest. Yeah. I think that's a great way to do it. Poor Larkin would be so confused. He's like, I knew that I was popular, but not that popular. <laughs> oh, actually, well, there's no fans in the stands. So yeah. Yeah. Well, see, yeah, you're right. There is no fun way to do this. Exactly. That's why I said just Bummer. let it organically happen. Um, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee 1000% that it's going to be Larkin. Cause I don't want to be the one that curses it. Uh, but we're all expecting it to be Larkin just for the sake of it very quickly. If it's not Larkin, who would it be? 
Uh, it would have to be someone that's already wearing a letter or has worn a letter. Um, probably, preferably someone who's got more than one year left on their contract. Uh, so just doing that off the top of my head, that literally leaves only Danny DeKaiser. Yeah, it'd be DeKaiser. There's a there's a very um, a vocal but small minority of Red Wings fans online who are big on Bertuzzi as being a captain because he's like a heart and soul guy. Yeah, he w- he would fit it fine. I mean, obviously this is Larkin. Bertuzzi would be a good candidate if it wasn't. I think DeKaiser would be a good candidate. I could see Blashill absolutely wanting to give it to someone like Glenn Denning, um, but with Glenn Denning only having one year left on his contract, I don't see that being a great option um because he might not make it to may with this team so uh yeah i don't know i I would go to kaiser bertuzzi if it's not larkin um okay a little bit more news here uh brad congratulations the offside rule has changed the player's skate no longer has to be physically touching the ice if it is above the blue line it is considered onside that rule has gotten a little bit better bit by bit so we no longer need 8k ultra zoom cameras to see whether a skate was blade was actually touching the ice um that blue line extends upwards i used to not think that would be a good change and it took about one season of offside reviews for me to realize that that was a very necessary change that needed to happen so uh, i think this is a resounding thank goodness from hockey fandom i think everyone who i've i've talked to or seen has liked this should help a lot. Hey, it's one step closer to abolishing offside reviews forever. So I'm very much in favor of that. Um, obviously, this should dramatically drop the amount of offside challenges. Because if you're a coach who knows there's a penalty on the line, are you, if the dude's skate is three feet off the ice, are you going to be that confident you're right? No, of course you're not. Um, I mean, the, the one thing, though, that I am paranoid about is I think it's going to take about three weeks for us to be absolutely sick of the word plane. Like that's just going to get beaten mm-hmm. to death. Um, mm-hmm. But it's fine. It's a necessary uh, sacrifice to uh, get some progress here. Um, another update we didn't mention very clearly last episode, but there have been changes to the way the playoffs are working. So still 16 teams is still best four out of seven. Um the first two rounds are going to be all intra division. So it's all going to be divisional games. They're going to stay playing each other. Top four teams in each division uh, qualify for the playoffs. One plays four, two plays three in the first round. Winner of those two play to win the division, their division specifically. No wild cards, so no crossing over in the second round. And then uh, the four teams that are left in what would be the conference finals are reseeded. So we get a new one versus four and then two versus three. So we could see an East versus West by the conference finals. We could see a, in theory, uh, a Toronto Boston Stanley cup final. Yeah. And I hate both those teams, but I, I love that that could happen. Um, I, I know we've been trumpeting. Well, I don't know if you two are on board. I don't remember. And frankly, I don't care. Uh, I've been on board with the reseeding for the final four for a while now. I just, I understand that it might weaken the conference finals, but just just the thought that we could get like legitimate rivals in the cup finals is too tantalizing for me to not want. Again, I use Toronto Boston as a possibility. My favorite example, at least to use recent memory, could you imagine the world we live in right now, a Stanley Cup final 
Sidney Crosby versus Alex Ovechkin, the Penguins versus the Capitals. I like just floating out that idea out there makes me wonder how anybody could not want this. I don't disagree with a single part of that, Brad. I just love the traditional first two rounds are to, to decide your division, next round is to decide your conference, and then the conference champions are represented in the finals. That's all nostalgia, though, because I can't shoot down a single point you just made. That's all excellent for the game. It's excellent for competition. Uh, you know, I've played in you know minor hockey tournaments where you were reseeded, or sorry, leagues where you're reseeded. You, you see that in like different uh, European leagues where they have relegation and stuff, or like intra league tournaments and things like that. It's not a novel concept, and it works for a specific reason. I just grew up on the conference champions being like going through to the Stanley Cup final, so I've always kind of loved that. But then you get into like Pittsburgh versus New Jersey a while back, and like that sucked. A final? How could Pittsburgh, New Jersey have oh, been a final? So stupid. <laughs> la new jersey is that the one you're getting yeah i'm thinking of la new jersey it was la new jersey and it was you know it happens you know they they play in they're from the same state so (laughs) it's common error anyways i was dumb and i said pittsburgh new jersey it was la kings versus new jersey and how many games did that series end in six and i think i might be the only person on the face of the earth who remembers that pittsburgh nashville yeah, that was also a cup final. What? How many games did that end in? Was that one five? Six. And that was the one where it wasn't particularly close. No, that one was a great series. It was the New Jersey-LA one that was not close. Because okay, so- LA went up 3 nothing, uh handedly, and then um, New Jersey stole a couple, and then LA finished it off. Like yes, in yes, New yes, Jersey, yes. I believe, too, just to ruin it even further. Yeah, and I remember, yeah, that's what it was. And it was just like, you had that little glimmer of hope as New Jersey was coming back. But throughout the whole series, you're like, these aren't particularly well-matched teams. So, yeah, having a best-on-best in the cup finals every time would be phenomenal. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be happy if they go either way. That's the one change, like one radical change to the playoffs that I would actually be okay with seeing. Um, Having some kind of permanent play-in system like we had over the summer would be terrible and i'd hate that yes and finally ads on helmets they are happening the league has to recoup revenue somehow and the ads um virginity has been taken uh we are seeing teams selling ads on their helmets and we've already seen a first few of them capital one is sponsoring the capitals uh, Prudential is sponsoring the Devils, which makes sense considering the name of their arena. No word on Detroit whether they are going to have one and who it might be, uh, but this is a way for the league to basically recoup costs. Essentially, a necessary evil. It does scare me. Yeah, I mean, I've, the mock-ups have looked fine. Honestly, I, I, un- we talked about this. We know it was a necessary evil that was likely going to have to come because the league is bleeding money right now. I don't even care if it's temporary or permanent, whatever. If it's more money to help raise a salary cap, great. Um, make your predictions. Who is going to be the sponsor on the Red Wings helmet? And you're not allowed to pick Little Caesars. Motor City Casino. Um, probably like Belfour or something. Okay, I'm going to go with Meyer. Meyer would be sweet. Someone goes, I hope it's not Target. <laughs> I'm like, oh, 
Hold on. <laughs> I've seen a couple of mock-ups with porn up. Yeah, someone's been doing Wonder Bread over the visor. It was Kyle from Winging in Motown who did the, the Pornhub, and I was like, oh, gee, Kyle. I actually looked at my phone and went, Jesus, Kyle. <laughs> um, uh, did you see my shitty Photoshop of our, our podcast logo near the ear cup today? I did not. It's not bad. I, I think we'll be a few dollars short, but uh, I don't know. Do we want I don't know. Crowd let's crowdfund this bitch. We'll see how close we can get. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um. No, I, I, hey, you know what? In terms of how intrusive logos would be, ours ain't that bad. Like here, if for those of watching on YouTube, I'm literally holding my phone up to the screen. Oh, I can't see that at all. No, uh, well, Brad missed it. Yeah, it's on I'm Twitter. literally looking it up on my phone now, you jerk. Um, but we'll be a few bucks short for that. I I like the Prudential one for New Jersey. Like they're just using either like they're fitting in with the color scheme or they're going black and white. So I imagine whoever. St- sponsors detroit's gonna be the same thing it'll be like white on their red helmets or red on their white helmets unless somebody some company comes in guns blazing and puts up ridiculous money to get that sponsorship i feel like it'll be part of the ownership group so like you'll see some sort of mlse type sponsorship for the leafs you'll see motor city casino little caesars sponsorship for detroit like i I feel like you'll see a lot of that because those business owners see it as a free way essentially for them to get mar- um, some some marketing done um as long as they don't touch the jerseys fine because uh, let's be honest here these aren't going away these aren't a temporary measure until revenues come back when revenues come back they will come back and helmet ads will still be a thing like they're not go- it's pandora's box right Oh, there's going to be helmet ads, pant ads, jersey ads, no. stick blade ads. We've we've opened up. We've started the apocalypse. Congratulations. This is now Europe. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. People probably took that literally. No. Yeah, because it's scary. I don't want jersey ads ever. Never, ever. I don't. I, if we don't need them, I don't want them. But if, if it comes to a point where the NHL is bleeding enough money and this pandemic's dragging out longer than we thought whatever i'd rather i'd rather have a healthy nhl with jersey ads than a struggling nhl without them i talk a lot about the old boys club and hockey boomers but i act like one quite a bit eh? yeah i'm the old guy on this podcast i'm supposed to carry these opinions ryan i think evan is genuinely the oldest soul on this podcast though yes is that just because he looks half dead all the time though yeah yeah looks i am (laughs) I am half dead. No, if we're going by feeling half dead, I absolutely am taking that crown and you bastards can't wrestle it from me. Yeah, no, because uh, we don't have kids. Exactly. Did you know, Brad? Yeah, I get the (laughs) highest kids per 60 on this podcast by a lot. You do, Um, which is actually a good time. I have a special announcement. We're going to overtime. I'm just messing with you. I don't know what you guys thought was going to happen there. Uh, Let's jump in. I thought you bought my kids something and now I'm disappointed. If I bought your kids something, I tell your kids, not you. Yeah, I know. Well, now I'm going to have to tell them that they don't have anything from Unky Ryan and they're going to be upset. <laughs> don't do that, man. Don't make, <laughs> don't make me cry on a podcast. <laughs> Between the last episode with my friends telling me as we were recording last episode that they were pregnant and you doing this, like these podcasts are getting way more emotional. <laughs> nothing will ever top the time where uh, Evan sobbed. That did not happen. No, I've never seen you cry. Me I've neither. Ne- I've never seen him express emotion. No. Someone has to be the the stoic person on this podcast. 
Uh, actually, Evan is very lively when one of our dogs have interacted with him. Yes, that is very true. Um, okay, we're going to jump into overtime and wrap this episode up. Uh, we're going to start with, or this is a midweek episode, so this is exclusive to Patreon supporters. We're going to start with Zach Tretnik. says, hey guys, we are almost there. Little Caesars Arena has ice and a winged wheel at the center of it. There's no doubt about it. I'm ready to be heard again. With the holidays here, uh, here, what's your favorite holiday cookie? Happy holidays, guys. Thanks for all the incredible content. Let's go Red Wings and pizza. Ooh. There's a lot of good candidates here. I'm a ginger cookie guy. I knew you I would be. I just, I knew, I knew you would be. A good ginger cookie. It's not too rich where like chocolate just overwhelms you. Yeah, good ginger cookie is good. Good answer, Evan. I'm Thanks. a fan of just the, the good old fashioned sugar cookie. Sugar cookie is also not bad. You know what cookies I unironically love despite how objectively gross they are? Maybe, I don't know. The ones that come in the tube, like with the little stupid Halloween prints on them. I love those too. Yeah, yeah. those are good. What do you mean hot take? That's that's good. I, I don't know a lot about baking, so I'm like, I'm, I'm sure these taste like Play-Doh objectively, but I love this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yakaruta says, since this, this is likely one of the last episodes where you've got time for stupid comments, here's mine. I'm tired of people uh, making historical mock drafts and they put Tim Thomas or Mika Kiprasov or another goalie at the top. These guys take seven to 10 years to come to your team. If I told you we got the goaltender of the future seven years from when uh, we draft the kid, you would say, how the frick do you know that? Uh, And how do you know that? Uh, You got the lottery numbers for this week. That's a great point. Goalies are voodoo and they're terribly hard to project. Look at Jacob Markstrom, how long he took to pan out. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I was just actually thinking about that off the top of my head. I'm like seven years, they'd be 25. That's not bad. Actually, I probably if at 25, Keith Petrozelli is a starting goalie for the Detroit Red Wings. I honestly probably take it. Uh, first name bunch of numbers says somewhere out there. Don Cherry is calling around to get an estimate to repair 90 holes that he just put in his drywall after seeing an ad on a helmet. Hey, speaking of Don Cherry, uh, sweater today. Um, Oh, yeah. Every, a lot of people listen to audio. It's a hockey night in Canada sweater. Uh, I think I speak for most of the Patreon subscribers when I say that I think Darren Helm will put up a 20-goal pace this year. Chicago doesn't have an NHL goalie. Saros and Rene weren't good last year. And unless Officer Bobrovsky can return to form, he's basically an open net. Helmer was on a 20-goal pace last season if the season would have reached 140 games. So it's reasonable to assume with a full year of playing on the Mantha Larkin and Helm line, he could easily hit 20 goals over 82-game pace in a much weaker division thoughts no ah you guys are something huh you uh as much as this podcast might change over time you definitely don't yeah uh, i'm gonna uh my answer to this is to remind myself that there was something i wanted to bring up earlier in the episode that i uh wanted to do as a favor to a friend um so anybody who listened to the episode last week with lauren gable on um i i mentioned to her that like i wanted the sweater or a t-shirt that like the one Lafreniere was wearing. She messaged me today. The PWHPA's pop-up shop is back. Uh, all Adidas apparel, and it's going to be up again until January 5th. So anybody who wants to support women's hockey, you have a couple weeks to hop on it. Oh, I'm definitely getting one of those. Thank you, sir, for taking my money. Um, yeah, I literally got something for me, Mika and Crystal today. So I, yeah. I, my wallet significantly lighter. For a good cause, though. 
Uh, Cody Stark says, who is your best sleeper pick in fantasy hockey this year? Oh, you're trying to take our strategy, huh? I've Ooh. got a good one too, and I'm not saying it. I was doing some looking this uh, before the podcast, and I've got a few really good ones. I'm a man of the people, so I'll give them to you guys. I don't think... He, he's not a secret anymore, but I think Mika Zibanejad is going to go way lower than he should just because his counting stats weren't that big last year because he, the injury bug bit him towards the end of the year. But he, not Austin Matthews, not Alex Ovechkin, not David Pasternak, he led the NHL in goals per game last year. Um, I am expecting, not for high picks, I'm expecting uh, breakout years for Jack Hughes and Capo Caco. And Honestly, we won't think it's that bold of an opinion, but the rest of the hockey world will. If we get 56 games of Anthony Mantha, he's going to be easily, comfortably in the top 30 of NHL scoring. Did you say Lafreniere? I don't think Lafreniere would be a sleeper. Sure he would. He's a rookie. Rookies are wild to predict. Wild to predict, but I think I think people are going to be making calculated bets on Lafreniere pretty frequently. Uh, and Josh also Yelts- Jared Spurgeon. Nobody ever drafts Jared Spurgeon. I get him in the last round every year. Stop letting me do that. <laughs> Josh Yelton says, who do you guys think the four to six man taxi squad players are going to be? Curious to hear your thoughts. Cheers. Before that, did you see the picture floating around Twitter today where it was like uh, NHL announces taxi squad, <laughs> Patrick Kane, and it's a guy with his fist. <laughs> <laughs> It's so bad. Um, it's going to be Picard or Boyle in net, Eisenman already said today. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised if we see some like real depth free agent signings of just like career seventh, def- seventh defensemen just to fill that role. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's like one or two of them. And then I think we already mentioned it. It's going to be the Brian Lashoffs, the Dylan McElraths, the... I don't know, pick Turner Elsons of the world who are going to fill those roles good enough to plug into an NHL game uh, if need be, but not good enough to ever be a contender for a full-time Red Wing and too old to be worried about development at this point. I, um, I want to interject very quickly to see if you guys can guess this because I was looking at the Yahoo fantasy. So they already start, they're already having like their average pick number for players who do you guys think is the number one person picked the highest on average? It Price should title. be Connor McDavid, but because you're saying that, it's definitely not him. It's not Connor McDavid, and it's I not think- Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, okay, okay. It's not it's not Ovechkin, is it? It is not Ovechkin. Ovechkin is actually averaging sixth. So Nathan far. McKinnon? No, it's not. What's going okay, on? Isn't hold it? on. I know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys know. Come on. Pasternak, Marshand, Austin Matthews. No, Matthews is 6.9. Nice. Okay, now I'm actually getting curious. Hold on. So, is it? He's he's a forward, obviously. Yeah, it is. Okay. uh, Eichel? Nope. Eichel is averaging 10.3. Who the? Pedersen? You know what? This is going to be funny, but also very sad for the people who have picked him. It's Nikita Kucherov. Oh, rough. Who's now out probably, oh. potentially, I think, for a lot of the season. So, Yikes. whoops. I mean, it's it's surprising, but not. But also very sad for the people who've already oh. done their drafts. Boy, I... This is why we I immediately wrote him off in my mind. I'm like, well, of course it can't be him. I was, I was going to guess point before him. 
Um, no, point will be lower. Point doesn't get a lot of broad recognition. 13.8, but he's tied with Sebastian Alho, actually. Oh, okay. This is weird. Uh, Santa Claus, the OG Panthers logo. Uh, here's Rowan. Good day, <laughs> It is I, the ghost of logos past, returning to shockingly agree with Cop Guy and try to show Prick Guy the errors of his ways. Um, the OG Florida COVID cat logo is heaps good. I have spoken, and this is now law. With the changes to the, I'm reading what he wrote. The offsides rule. Does that mean that uh, Tampa Bay McNuggets can just go completely offsides with their salary cap spend? How can Blash success- unsuccessfully challenge that? Now that the NHL has opened the door for advertising on helmets, how will our podcast adapt and open up opportunities to monetize additional sponsorship to increase podcast-related revenue? Please have a proposal on my desk prior to Christmas outlining how to best gouge, ah, I mean, show value so patrons invest more money into my PayPal, right? We do have to submit this to um, podcast owner, Rowan. I, I'm uh, getting deeply concerned. Rowan has been way too nice to me for the last week. It's the holidays. It's it's gotta be. It has to be. <laughs> uh jersey time. Make one reverse retro jersey more betterer, but it cannot be the wings one because we know it is perfect. Perfect for annoying the fan base. All right. Well, Wishing I- you all, even you, Brad, a very merry cheese bag miss in a fresh new year. Remember to be extra good so Santa gives us what we want, which is to hashtag give helm the sea. <laughs> okay. So I guess we have to take a bad reverse retro jersey. And then improve it. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I'm going to get rid of that stupid everything they did about it. And I'm going to do a... So you remember their black jersey that had the two-color stripe with the robo robo penguin in the middle? A yellow version of that jersey. So you keep the bar, you keep the multicolored bar, you keep the logo, but you make it primary yellow and then go darker accents on it. Uh, yeah, 100% agree. Just like that techno 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, every other team went, every team that went pure 90s bullshit, it worked phenomenally for. And Pittsburgh had arguably one of the most 90s jerseys of the decade and they didn't use it. I'm so angry and I'll never forgive them for it. Buffalo, can they can keep the blue and yellow if they want and apply that to the old black, white and red angry goat head or just straight up use that Jersey. That would be mine. Islanders can use the fisherman logo. Yes. Have. Yes. Great call. Um, Ben Ingraham says, Hey guys, new patron, Ben, thank you. Happy holidays and welcome to the winged wheel podcast family says, I just want to thank you guys for keeping me entertained for years. I've been following since the Rasmussen draft. Oh, that was a tough time to start. (laughs) Uh, just wanted to wish you guys a very merry holiday and a big thanks for this year. I laughed out loud with my headphones on when Ryan hit us with the wings and pizza, but I didn't say pizza line. I looked like a crazy person, but I didn't care. I love the cop, doctor, and golfer. <laughs> oh, man. It's nice to know that our pain and stupidity brings joy. <laughs> uh, uh, for all of you... Um, this is obviously our last episode before uh, Christmas and and before we come back on the 29th slash 30th. Maybe. Um, we'll see what Eiserman does in the next couple. Yeah, for real. Um, everyone, please have a, a, a wonderful, wonderful, safe and happy holiday break. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a Happy New Year. Um, whatever you celebrate, have happy holidays. Please uh, enjoy them safely. And um, we'll be talking to you guys on the other side of this. Uh, in the meantime, I want to thank all of our listeners. 
our name level sponsors, uh, Arjun Shanker, Kyle, R.A., Hi Brad, Zach Spring, Z- Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greech, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer. Uh, it's the random garble of letters that says I'm high in the middle. Uh, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Josh Yelton, Trevor Pevivar, Evans Bingo Card, Ashley Van Conant, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Afornia Company, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Again, guys, check your Patreon messages if you're a uh, uh, specific tier of patron for fantasy hockey. Enjoy your holidays safely. Uh, hope uh, Santa and or Evan comes through your chimney and is good to you. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.